Support for This Is Normal comes from Bell & Health. If you or someone you know needs help, don't wait and know the signs. Visit bellin.org signs for more information. That night, if we would have knew if that was our, our last night, we would have just held on to it. That's Erica Williams-Clark, a senior at Milwaukee High School of the Arts. Her little cousin, Naima, was 13 when she took her own life last year. Naima had dealt with depression and mental health challenges. In coping with the loss, there are days Erica feels depressed too. But she's fighting for better days, for a world where mental health support is abundant. Welcome to This Is Normal, a podcast where young people share their stories of facing mental health challenges so we can all feel a little less alone. I'm Rob Menser. I'm an editor for USA Today Network Wisconsin. And I'm Rory Lenane, a reporter for the network based in Milwaukee. So Rory, you talked with Erica Williams-Clark for this episode. What is she like? She's incredible. I first talked to her because I was working on a story about Naima, her little cousin. But I was really struck by Erica's outlook, and I'm really glad we got to talk again for this podcast. You'll see this from the clips, but sometimes she'll say something off the cuff with the most unique phrasing and insight, and I'll just think to myself, that was actual poetry. This January, on the anniversary of Naima's death, Erica's family gathered with cake to celebrate the life she led. It's a sad day, but, you know, that was a 13-year chapter she just gave to the world and gave to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then everyone around her. Naima had an energy no one could quite match. She played football, went to a summer camp for engineering, took apart electronics, wrote songs, and gave hugs that would take your breath away. Naima's family couldn't fathom the impact she had on her community until they heard from kids and adults all over Milwaukee after her death. She was only a teenager and she had a church full of people coming to see her, a house full of people, a house full of kids and people that still remember her and only met her once. She was definitely here for a purpose, to show people how love's supposed to be is not only one way to love. Because I'm going to do the silliest thing just to show you she loves you. She will wrap her arms around us till she can almost touch her shoulders and squeeze and pick you up till like your eyes can pop out. And some people might not think it was like the proper way. It was the Naima way. Naima was dealing with depression. She had seen a therapist for a while, but leading up to her suicide, she was not getting as much help as her mom thought she needed and fought to get her. She was dealing with things that we didn't even know that she was she could have easily disguised from us. It was surreal when I found out because we all stuck like, we just seen her a couple of days ago. We just seen Naima. And then when we actually got to see the body at the funeral, it was like, uh, I wish I could have just knew. Because of course we would have stopped it before it even happened. Since losing Naima, Erica is specially attuned to how people around her are feeling. She looks out for signs of depression in her friends and her family. I can see it when, you know, they think no one is around. Because, like, the death of my cousin, you know, everyone is smiling through it and all of that. But, you know, you could tell when they're by themselves or they get to reminiscing and thinking, you could see them sad eyes. 
it's harder for Erica to recognize it in herself. I do talk to myself sometimes about how I feel, but if I don't know how to identify it within myself, because I, I don't know how to tell if I'm this or that. Erica might not have a diagnosis for herself, but she knows she struggles, and she's learned to seek help. When I actually get to sit, and then I get to think, you know, sometimes I overthink too much, or I cry it out to myself. Most of my sadness comes from me just thinking of good and happy times, and then it makes me sad that I'm not in that place or with that person at the moment. A year after losing Naima, Erica said she's working through the first stage of grief, acceptance. It's taken a long, long time. You know, even though it's been a year, she was only 13, but she lived as if she was someone from years ago. And it's hard to forget somebody like that, but she's not here. I can't stand next to her, or I can't talk to her, or she can't tell me what she want to do, or she can't rap to me, or nothing like that. When Erica feels that sadness, she has a family of mother figures she leans on. Our family just try to talk and check in on us and ask us, you know, is anything wrong? Are you feeling some type of way or we want to cry or anything? It's always it's shoulders in our family that's like, okay, you know, and they understand. Of course they understand, you know, this is something we are still dealing with, even though it's been a year. It's going to, you know, it's going to forever hurt us that she is gone, but we always want to forever love her. She's also found coping tools that work for her. I try to stay very calm to myself. I read my books and just get lost. A lot of the books are fictional, and it helps me to step back from reality and just, I can be one of them characters I'm reading in the book, and it's easier for me. You know, and sometimes I sit in my room and listen to ocean waves and meditation music and just lay there and breathe. It's like that feeling when you get home, you finally get to take off your shoes when your feet are hurting. It's that feeling of relief. Like, <sighs> Erica wants everyone in her city to be able to find that feeling, that relief. She is planning to study mental health and stick around in Milwaukee to improve mental health supports. We should have so much support. We should actually have people in a community of people that understand and what like willing to talk and really to get into it. I love Milwaukee. I'm not trying to sound like that, but this hasn't, you know, things going on in Milwaukee hasn't been the best. Can it be better? Yeah. Can we push the greatness? Yeah. In all of Erica's plans, Naima is right beside her. She was so ready for college, but now I have a drive because I'm, it's like I'm doing it for her too. So she's going to be graduating when I graduate out of college and she's going to be working with me when I actually get my career. It's like she's there with us. It sounds like she really has an incredible commitment to honoring her cousin's memory and that she's willing to be really honest about what her family has been through. Yeah, she still keeps Naima really close to her. This is Normal is supported by Bell & Health. Bell & Health believes we all benefit from greater awareness of mental health issues 
and how they affect us, our friends, our neighbors, and our loved ones. Bellin exists to improve the physical and mental health of our communities and our region. Through Bellin's support of This Is Normal and USA Today Network's Kids in Crisis series on youth mental health, it is helping bring to light the issues affecting young people at a critical time in their lives. If you're concerned about someone you feel is headed for a crisis, don't be concerned about saying something and don't wait. Know the signs. Please visit bellin.org signs for more information. So Rory, you've been our Kids in Crisis reporter. You've been reporting on youth mental health for a couple years now. How, how, did, how did that come to be your area of reporting? It started off from just an assignment from an editor to do something about teen suicide in Wisconsin. And then I think once we started digging into it, we just saw how much material there was there and how how much it tied into so many other issues from trauma to mental health care in our communities. And we also saw just how many families were affected by it. I think part of the problem of teen suicide and youth mental health is that so much of it is invisibilized because of a lot of the stigma. But once we started bringing that out of the shadows through our reporting, we just kept hearing from more and more people who were affected by it. Right. I mean, that's what's, you know, we've been, even this year, we've been hosting these these town halls where we invite people to talk about youth mental health. People come up afterwards and want to share or they feel like... This is a space that they didn't know existed, or I don't know, it, it's a, it, there's emotions to it. I think a lot of people really want to share their stories, and sometimes they're waiting for that platform to be available. So you've been all over the state, like you've talked to families who've lost people or, you know, people who've lost friends. Is that hard as a reporter? I mean, you know, this has been, in a way, this has been kind of like your, your main thing. What is it like? Yeah, it's definitely hard. I think especially toward the beginning when I started out doing it and I felt a little over my head. Like there are people who've been through serious trauma and they're discussing that with me. And it makes you feel a huge responsibility on your shoulders to make sure that that experience is worthwhile for them and good for them and not just good for you as a reporter or even just for your readers. Throughout this process, I've learned a lot about the importance of making sure that people think through whether they want to share their story before they do it, and that you're really clear and upfront about what will happen with their stories. And luckily, I think so far, I've always felt really good about the result, and the people who have shared their stories with us have felt really good about that. And I think it definitely has the power to be part of people's journeys in healing, to be able to feel like they're contributing to something larger than themselves. What stands out to you from your couple of years of reporting on youth mental health now? I've learned the value in listening to young people and how much more they know than we give them credit for. Students know how to speak to other students in their own language and they care tremendously about their peers. Tapping into that student power as much as possible. It has to be a really central piece of moving forward with youth mental health. And I think also a willingness to look at what has worked in other states and other communities. So here's a question, but but just be honest here. Does it feel depressing? Do you feel uh, discouraged? Or do you feel like we are moving in the right direction? 
occasionally feel discouraged when I think about all of the the ideas that have been put forward that for some reason we are not using as a state or as school districts to take on those projects. It feels to me like, like there is legitimately less of a stigma around talking about mental health today than there was a short time ago, two, three years ago. That feels very hopeful. And you can find more of our Kids in Crisis reporting at postcrescent.com slash kidsincrisis. Next week on This is Normal, we'll talk to Isaiah Donaldson, a junior at Appleton West High School. He lost friends and went through depression before he transferred schools and got some help. Now he's part of a new student organization that works to support other struggling students. Your depressed mind might be telling you, like, you know, these people won't help you, these people can't help you. That's not the case. Support for This is Normal also comes from Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. Children's Hospital of Wisconsin has a vision that Wisconsin kids will be the healthiest in the nation. Supporting kids and teens' mental and behavioral health is a key part of achieving that vision. They are committed to programs and services that help build resilience, promote mental health, and support families. Visit chw.org talk for more information. This is Normal was produced by Alexandra Wimley, Jana Rose Schleiss, Rick Wood, Bill Schultz, and me, Rob Menser. It is a production of USA Today Network Wisconsin and part of our ongoing series of reporting on youth mental health, which we call Kids in Crisis. Find more of our reporting at postcrescent.com slash kidsincrisis. If you'd like to share your reactions to the show or just reach out, I'm on Twitter at Robert Menser, or you can find me on Facebook or you can email the show at thisisnormal@gannett.com. Please do write to us. Rory and I love getting your emails. Help us reach more people by sharing this podcast with your friends on social media, with the people who are sleeping in the next bunk over from you at the youth hostel in Brazil or wherever. One good thing, which you know about if you listen to podcasts, is to leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. We appreciate anything you do to help people find out about This Is Normal. If you or someone you know is dealing with suicidal thoughts, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or text HOPELINE to the National Crisis Text Line at 741-741. We all struggle sometimes, and it's good to get help.